up my mages we are already on part six of the arena craft kaldheim constructed set review damn there are a lot of these and we love bringing them to you so enjoy this one and keep an eye out for more coming i almost read flame tongue kavu for you cgb <laughs> but then you realize that's not the, what the card it's is not the card that ain't it <laughs> so we're gonna move swiftly on to weathered runestone this is an artifact costs two generic mana at uncommon and it reads non-land permanent cards in graveyards and libraries can't enter the battlefield and players can't cast spells from graveyards or libraries Okay, so this is basically Graft Digger's Cage, but it is expanded from creatures to be non-land permanents. So is that worth the upgrade in the mana cost, or the downgrade, as it were? No, but it doesn't matter, because Graft Digger's Cage isn't standard legal, and yep. Rogues needs to stay busted, so now they have this. <laughs> yep. Are they going to play this? Do you think they yeah. will? Yeah, you can't escape a card. Yeah, you I can't suppose. use an escape card when this is in play. Is that worth a card out of that deck against decks that like use escape cards to abuse them? Yes. Now, will mm. those decks be popular? Maybe. I mm -hmm. I do think Rakdos is going to be better. I think there's multiple cards for Rakdos that matter, and this doesn't solve Aegon, but Heartless Act and Drown in the Lock do. So yeah, I I'm a hundred percent in best of three land all about Weathered Runestone and my rogue sideboard. Way better than fighting back with Cling to Dust, in, in my opinion, unless you're specifically in the mirror, which if they have this, then Cling doesn't do anything. How many do you, how many do you run in the rogue sideboard? Two? Two's good. Three, three maybe. Depends how important that matchup is. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is definitely a slam dunk against any graveyard deck. Like, you 100% you bring this in against, like, the Kroxer decks and the Woestrider decks, and that can it can pretty much be a game over if you get one of these down. I, I Can I just say I really appreciate this being an uncommon? Yeah! I Dude, I'm so with you. Yeah, the Graft Digger being at rare was so stupid, dude. It really was. Having said that, this is going to clog up a lot of limited drafts. See, I was wondering, does that mean... Yeah, this is going to be like last pick and limited, but I was wondering, yeah. are you happier about your rare spot possibly being something better in limited than an uncommon spot? That's that's a good point. Yep, that's a good point. It's a trade-off. I mean, here's the thing. Limited always has just like silly cards that wheel that no one wants to play, so... It's probably fine, and I do agree that, yeah, like getting Graft Digger's Cage in your rare slot for your pack one, pick one does <laughs> really suck. So, all right, yeah. Overall, overall, I'm feeling you, CGB. Cool. Cool. So, yeah, Weathered Runestone, nothing else to say other than that. Um, this card's just going to be super excellent against the decks it's going to be super excellent against, and that's basically that. Squash, four and a red. Instant at common. This spell costs three less to cast if you control a giant. Squash deals six damage to target creature or planeswalker. So I guess just probably worth it in your giant's deck if you have a giant's deck. And if you're worried about creatures and planeswalkers, right? Yeah, I think that people are trying i mean obviously they're giving us enough giants matters cards to specifically get people believing in a giant themed archetype and there's a number of cards that have already been spoiled that we've talked about that want excess damage now all of those cards we look at them and we're like where do you get excess damage i don't know if that's any good but for example uh, agar the freezing flame says whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess damage it, then you draw a card. Yeah. So uh, that that is one thing. There's another one. I think it's just down there. Is it Tarolf God of Fury? So, yeah, you can deal the access to any other permanent. Yep. Or, or person. Yeah, any target, any yeah. excess damage. And we also just covered a card called Dual Strike, which can copy a cheap spell. Although I don't know if that works in this case, because it's natural... Yeah, that's a good it's question. It's natural casting cost is five. So I don't think it does. My biggest issue with this card is that I imagine a plausible play pattern for the Giants deck is that you want your removal to hit early because once your Giants come down, isn't the game just all about your Giants? It should be. 
I don't imagine you being that scared of your opponent's deck, like your opponent's creatures, once you have your giants down. Yeah, that makes sense. So that that could be an issue with the card. I mean, I guess it's still cool to be able to just like one shot your opponent's Ashiok, or maybe like one shot your opponent's beast that was about to get an Embercleave on it, or something like that. So it could still be relevant, but I'm just wondering. You know what I mean? I, I still need another three mana giant that's good on its own. Yeah. Because with Bone Crusher, I'm totally fine doing this, but I'm not going to draw Bone Crusher every game. If you give me another automatic four of giant that costs three mana, then I, I'll start considering squash. Mm-hmm. This also must get better in the giant mirror match, right? It doesn't work. Like, how how are you just going around squashing other giants? I I don't know. The flavor is not there for me. <laughs> flavor fail for sure. <laughs> flavor fail for sure. But um, yeah, so a very situational card. The Giants deck has to be playable, and then this has to hit certain targets at certain times in the game that makes sense. Otherwise, probably won't show up. This one's at least interesting. I just wanted to touch on this one briefly. Avalanche Caller, one and a blue. Snow Creature, Human Wizard at Uncommon. It is a 1-3, and you can pay two mana as many times as you would like. To have target Snowland you control become a 4-4 elemental creature with Hexproof and Haste until end of turn, it is still a land. Could this card be a finisher? Uh, no. Doesn't it, <laughs> no. doesn't it at least seem interesting? No, the most interesting thing about it for me is that like I, I, I'm trying to figure out if this dude's mom ever told him to like wear a coat when he goes out into the <laughs> Arctic. Like, that, that's the only thing that's going through my head. Okay, how about the fact that the creature from Dark Depths is, like, frozen in the snow? Is that interesting to you? What was it, Merit Lage? That's a fact? Like, that's true. Like, that is that on this well, card? Well, What's this have to do with this card? I don't know. Look, yeah. Merit Lage. Yes, the Merit Lage token from Dark Depths is something you have to pay an insane amount of mana and remove ice counters from to get your 2020, unless you combo it with Thespian Stage. And none of this has anything to do with Magic Arena! Okay, so you're just off this card. This, yeah, this is no card for me. I'm no, I'm no selling you, and it's it's savage. But uh, this is this is Arjuna Reed's limited cards for sure. Hey, that's cool, man. That's cool. I just wanted to get a second opinion. Seemed like a powerful effect to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not attached to this card. I'm not staking my reputation on this card by any means. All right, uh, let's keep going. Read this one for us. Cyclone Summoner is 5 blue blue creature giant wizard rare 7 7. When Cyclone Summoner enters the battlefield, if you cast it from your hand, return all permanents to their owner's hands except for giants, wizards, and lands. I just want to say it should have allowed you to put a shark typhoon or unpredictable cyclone from your hand onto the battlefield. (laughs) (laughs) Fail. Fail. (laughs) Big fail. Yeah, it should have in parentheses, except Shark Typhoon. Yeah, sure, that's fine too. All right, so this is a very powerful effect. Is this the big top-end giant we've been looking forward to? I mean, I'm not into it. I just... 7 mana for 7-7. And it doesn't hit wizards and giants. And it returns all permanents to their owner's hands. So that includes yours, except for wizards and giants and lands. I have a lot of trouble picturing it, but then again, there's also a part of me that says you get it back with ECD or some similar type effect, and that's good. I just like who who do you who do you resolve this against, and you're like got him. Like what what matchup is that where what it's about? Here's what I'm wondering, CGB is supposing you spent five mana to cast this. Okay. And supposing supposing you did that because you had cast that saga that you like earlier. Yeah. Would that 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 could be pretty gas, right? That could be kind of game over. Like imagine you're playing against Gruel, right? And on turn five you just slam this, return all less stuff. Like they're probably just done at that. Are you point, talking about the two mana is it saga that we argued about for an insane amount of yes. time on a previous podcast? Yes. Yeah. I've already That's exactly forgotten the card I'm that's the card I'm talking about. I've forgotten the name of it, but yeah, that does that actually does sound curvilicious. Pretty gas. Yes. Like against in any creature matchup, that has to be game over. The problem is if you don't have it, you need another way. I, yeah. I, I think you need another way to get this out. 
reliably and maybe that's just not that hard i mean seven mana people have played some seven mana cards i i've played a lot with cure best the sea god in recent weeks i it's not like i often fail to cast it hmm so okay one of the problems with seven mana cards is they really do need to like win the game or catch you up pretty hard when you resolve them yeah and this card definitely does that in most matchups like terrible against control so obviously you're not going to do that and you know you you probably don't bring this in against rogues right but like um yeah any kind of gruelly you know mid-rangey like food i imagine this card would wreck food pretty hard turn five against gruel could be pretty epic yeah yeah i i think that this card could find a home Against mono green or mono white, it could be really good. <laughs> it could be really good. And and this is all, a, so this is one of the things you don't, I don't think that you are pulled into the Giants deck because of this card. I feel like this is more a card which becomes appealing when you have your playable Giants deck. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So a couple of other things that could potentially suck about this card. If you're re- if you're returning your opponent's sagas to their hand, you're not going to feel good about that. Uh, if you're returning your own saga to your hand, that could be kind of gas. That's true. That is true. There might be a giant-related saga, maybe, that is next to it that we're going to read in a second. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You, you could set up some nice curves, I think. This just very much depends on matchups and the shape of the format. Because if if this effect is good, if your opponent isn't getting insane value from this effect, or, yeah, if you're able to just pull this off early enough in a game, it could just really slam the door. Yeah. That's kind of where I sit on this card. It's one of those situationals. Like, you might never see this card in Standard, but there might also be that one to two week stretch where suddenly this card is everywhere. Because remember that when the Teamer Energy Mirrors got to this point that River's Rebuke was everywhere for about two weeks? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, what I'm, that's what I envision here. I could definitely see matters in which this card is just the groan thing, you know? It comes down on turn five and you just groan and scoop your cards. The next Reddit post demanding a ban. Yeah, goes ban, to Cyclone, Cyclone Summoner. Summoner. Busted. Oh, we found Hate our it. clickbait title for the episode. <laughs> Indeed we did. All right, well, uh, take us to this next card then. Battle of Frost and Fire is three blue and a red for an enchantment saga at rare. Chapter one, four damage to each non-giant creature and each planeswalker. Chapter two... Scry 3! Chapter 3. Whenever you cast a spell with converted mana cost 5 or greater this turn, draw 2 cards and discard a card. Alright. First things first, doesn't Battle of Frost and Fire sound like a book in the Game of Thrones series or something? Yeah. Kind of blatant. Right up there with Jorn Snow. Yep, yeah, there's, there's like several rip-off cards in this set for sure. It even but, looks know, like well, the throne. It looks like the throne on the on the art, if you look yeah, at the top. Well, we're just going to have to let that one slide, I suppose. Okay, so for the first side, the first uh, chapter is... What's what's the four-mana sorcery version of this Storm's card? Storm's Wrath? Yeah, so this is like a Storm's Wrath that's pro-giant for one more mana. Yep. So that's probably not good enough. Probably not on its own. Yep. Yep, on its own. Scry 3 is nice, I guess. I, I guess it's supposed to help you set up the third chapter. Yeah, and it, it's a little awkward because... Well, yeah, I, I guess you get to go really deep if you don't already have another expensive card to play, for sure. I The, the draw 2 and discard a card is kind of odd, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't... Why couldn't it just be two cards? You're casting a five mana spell. Just give them two turns after your five mana spell. Well, maybe the discard is a bonus, right? Maybe we're doing reanimatey things. I I mean, we talked about Cyclone Summoner. Yeah. mm -hmm. Could this go well with Yorian? It could. Yeah. Uh, The first chapter, Yorian survives this for one thing. Mm-hmm. So they play together. Chapter 2, Scry 3, then you play Yorian and reset it. You sweep the board again. Probably not necessary that quickly, but you never know. 
mm-hmm. and you set up more Scry 3s. And if Chapter 3 does go off, maybe you use it to play Yorian. You cast your Yorian, you get some extra cards. Um, so that could line up kind of nicely. It's, you know, get in line for all of the other, like, four, five, and six mana cards that want to be blinked with Yorian in this set as yeah, well. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. What do you play the, like, what do you cut from your deck to play Battle of Frost and Fire? Yeah. And, and here's the thing, like, I think the issue with this card is that chapter one needs to consistently line up well against the matter. A five mana, you know, so so casting this on like turn four or five needs to be consistently good in the matter, I think. It lines up really good with Vivian, the five mana Vivian. I guess that's true. Yep. So that's something. Wipe your opponent's board there. I don't know. I, I do wish every single card that dealt damage to creatures killed a Lovestruck Beast in this environment. I really do. <laughs> I hate yeah. that card so much. I'm so sick of it. It is very tiresome, I agree. Does this do the thing with the uh, Tauralf? The thing. So, okay, your opponent has a number of creatures on board. You have sure. Tauralf in play. You play this. It deals all excess damage to whatever target you want. Non-combat. If it's non-combat, yeah. That could be a lot of damage. Yeah, it doesn't say from an instant or sorcery, right? It says non-combat. I have to look up the... Pretty freaking card. Whenever a creature an opponent whenever an, a creature or planeswalker or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess non combat damage. Yeah. Um if you have excess damage from that experience, great. Uh it does kill Toralf, so GG. Yep, that's somewhat of a nombo. <laughs> but but if you if you it first of all it curves, and second of all, if you wipe your opponent's board and deal them like some shocking amount of damage to the face, that if could they, be. If they have all one ones, they've played mono one ones this game. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just reaching here. They deserve it. At that at that at that stage, they deserve it. Yeah, they deserve it. Yeah, it could be good. I don't know if it's consistently good. Anyway, so this this card's a super curveball to me. I I really am having a hard time evaluating whether it's any good or not. Same here, man. Same here. Yeah. Mystic Reflection. One and a blue instant at rare. Choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen creature. That's So your, your planeswalker can actually be a creature. That's interesting. And you can foretell this for one blue mana. So, I, man, I just discard is a galaxy brain card and i'm curious cgb if you've come up with any good things to do with it good things to do with it how about not good fun interesting possibility filled things to do with it i think if you take just about any creature or planeswalker in the game and assume a token or some other thing is on the battlefield you can you can come up with some nonsense this is i think this is one of the most um I think this is one of the most ridiculous cards ever made. I, I really do. I I believe this is a an all-out game changer because um in case you missed it during that description, they enter the battlefield as copies of the chosen creature, not as whatever the hell they were. So let me get this straight. Okay, basic scenario. We have just like some big creature on the board, and then we go omen of the sun and then with the trigger on the stack we cast mystic reflection now we get two free copies of whatever that thing was we chose right yep and it can be as long as it's not legendary it can be your creature or your opponents yep you're right about that so we could do something like plausibly let's say we have a skyclave apparition and then we get two more skyclave apparitions yes you could do that it's a thing we could do mm-hmm. uh-huh so is is your does your brain like gravitate to how to make more of an awesome creature of your own right away? Yeah, that that is definitely what I was thinking about for sure. Well, have you considered turning the the mental gymnastics the other way? What if like, your so opponent, your opponent that's what if your opponent is casting Ugin the Spirit Dragon, and you cast Mystic Reflection on your one one token? So you're just 
just totally turning their whatever into garbage. Their Ugin enters as a 1-1, and it stays a 1-1, and it doesn't have any of the abilities of Ugin the Spirit Dragon. It does not plus, it does not minus, it doesn't have loyalty counters. It just is a 1-1. Or, or a Bertha Melitis wall, if you will. Yeah, that's pretty gas. All right, what happens if you're in the blue-black mirror, your opponent casts Ugin, you don't have any creatures, but you do have a Crawling Barons. Okay. So that Ugin enters as a copy of Crawling Barons. Does it die when at the end of the turn, or do they actually get a Crawling Barons? It is a Crawling Barons, the land Crawling Barons that they, that they receive. Okay. An unactivated version. No counters, so could, currently a land. That's like an emergency play you could make if you had to. Against, that's not a bad play. Yeah. That's, that's galaxy <laughs> yeah. brain right there. That, 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 that would get some pog champs out of the Twitch chat, you know? Yeah. So you don't just throw... The, here's the thing, though. You don't just throw this into your average whatever blue deck, right? So I, I think... The versatility is interesting. I do like the fact that, like, if you put this in your deck, you clearly want to play tokens. I think tokens are good either way, right? Because you can make your opponent's good stuff come in as a copy of your 1-1 token, or you can make your tokens come in as copies of your good stuff. So I think either way you're incentivized. To... Here's another thing, like Castle uh, Ardenvale. Mm-hmm pretty good combo with this card i would think and remember it has foretell so you can set it up so that you can do this for one blue this is a one blue polymorph your large creature into a tiny piece of trash yeah with with some setup definitely has setup required but remember the foretell card that turns an artifact or creature into a bird yes i do so do you see what i'm saying like you can exile their love struck beast they get a bird they go for questing beast you turn it into a freaking bird into another bird yeah yep. not yep. the worst not bad not bad i mean can't we just have a lot of fun with this and terror of the peaks yes you can also go that route where <laughs> you have a scoot swarm and yeah, a lot of triggers and oh, a terror of the Pe- I mean, you were already winning that. What, what team more do you nonsense. want? What more that do you that want? is just team of nonsense is what that is. The image is a shark, and Shark Typhoon is a great combo with this too, to instant speed, make a 1-1 shark, and then turn something into the shark. Right. Or to turn the shark into something bigger. That's true. You could do that. Uh, and if you, if you resolve your Shark Typhoon as a six-mana permanent, then it gives you something to work with when you cast this. That is kind of true, but you need the target first. Oh, do you? Yeah, okay. So uh, it, it, a... It's also worth notice, noting that they can fizzle this spell, the opponent, if they kill the target. Mm-hmm. So watch out for that. Okay, so the spell is sweet. Uh, the question is whether it's good. Like, okay, I'm guessing you don't just play this as like a fun role player. I'm guessing that you have to have like a specific combo to put this in your deck, right? Yeah, I mean, if you are already running things like Omen of the Sun and Castle Ardenvale and Birth of Melitus, having one or two of these is an interesting play, but you also could just counter the spell in a lot of scenarios for the output of the mana. So there is definitely a, a tension with, like, there's a big tension here between what is cool and what is good. So I'm not sold on it being good i am very sold on it being cool and i will be messing around to see what i can do with it 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 does make the bird the bird card a lot more appealing the exile the foretell bird card because you don't know which foretell card they have you know what i mean yeah the place i see this going into the most naturally is just like your average yarian deck like your average Yorian token deck, because you're just going to have a lot of tokens to throw around, and you're probably going to have a situation in which this is worth it. This basically reads, like, counter your opponent's good thing, and they get a wall, or whatever. I think that it fits that really well, because in the past, you could run Neutralize, you could run Negate, you could run Essence Scatter in your Yorian Blink deck. And I'm not talking about the full-on control version that runs those cards anyway. I'm talking about the version with Charming Prince. We're on the same page, right? 
So it's like really focused on the blink mechanic. And that deck really needed something in the late game to act like a counter spell, but it was hard to fit in the cards that I mentioned because they just sat in awkward spots on the curve or they weren't versatile enough. This card might be versatile enough. And it just has all kinds of other applications if you don't need to counter an Ugin. But um, so, yeah, I think you're right. And that is an 80 card deck, so it's more likely to open up a spot for one or two. I do think that's the most likely thing to happen. Yeah, but then if your opponent resolves like an Embercleave or a Great Henge, they're going to want to rip your Mystic Reflection up <laughs> and throw it away. So, just a, a super weird card. And. It's one of these cards that may just never show up ever, or it may end up showing up in like a surprising number of fun, weird, janky decks. Mm -hmm. Or in the least likely case, it could end up being a real player. But I think that that is very unlikely. It's also pretty cool if you can set up combos with a saga that's going to make creatures in the future. Like if it has chapter two or chapter three to put a token on the battlefield, that kind of thing. If there's a deck which can reliably make like a whole bunch of tiny tokens on one turn then you could just set up like a next turn kill with this you know you could do the like make seven angels you're just unbelievably dead next turn if you don't deal with them kind of a thing so this this could set up like you know like a, a one turn kill kind of a scenario if you play a harmonious archon and then with the trigger on the stack, target oh. it with the Mystic Reflection. Oh, does it make baby. two more Harmonious Archons? I suppose it, it does. does. It does. I suppose it does, my Wait, friend. Wait, that's awesome. <laughs> that's pretty gas. Okay, okay, I'm done, I'm done. We did it. We got there. <laughs> How much does Harmonious Archon cost? Six. So if you have, for the, for the humble price of eight mana. <laughs> I, or seven with Foretold. There you go. Yeah. We, we get to do the thing. All right, we, we really did it. Okay, next card. The Bears of Litjara. One green blue. Saga at rare. Chapter one, create a 2-2 two -two blue shapeshifter token creature token with changeling. Chapter two, any number of target shapeshifter creatures you control have base power and toughness 4-4. Four -four. And then, chapter 3, choose up to one target creature or planeswalker. Each creature with power 4 or greater you control deals damage equal to its power to that permanent. Alright, interesting card. So, we're probably hoping to have more shapeshifters than just the 2-2 two -two shapeshifter that we made with this thing. Okay, the first question, CGB. Mm -hmm. If you just played this card and you had no other shapeshifters in play, would it be good enough? I believe that if you handed me a three mana, four, four that entered the battlefield and dealt four damage to target permanent, I would be super hyped about that. It's pretty good, isn't it? That, that is unbelievably good. Yeah. yeah. That is, that is awesome. The best, that's the best flame tongue Kavu ever. Yes. Yeah. So this is that, but it takes three turns. Mm-hmm. So they see, they see the bite coming. Yep. Right? So that does make it worse. It does. On a stable board, like, or on, a, or on any kind of a gridlocked board, this could definitely be kind of a breaker. And if you have other changelings, especially like small changelings that you would like to have them upgraded to 4-4, then this card starts to get pretty good. This is like one of those weird cards where like it is powerful, it could be a little bit difficult to set up the scenarios in which this is consistently good. And it being in the Simic colors is interesting as well, because Simic decks don't tend to necessarily be like aggressive decks. or have a bunch of creatures sitting around. But that was like the Simic we knew in the past. Simic might look different moving forward. So again, this is a card I'm just... I think the how good this is entirely depends A, on the other shapeshifters in the format, and B, how the format at large looks. But um, definitely a powerful card, and price to move, I think. We have a two-mana shapeshifter that enters the battlefield, exile a creature from your graveyard, destroy target right. artifact or enchantment. Yeah, Masked Vandal. Yeah, my, my criticism, like that card's really great. My criticism is always of what is it doing on turn two because it's not reliable that you'll have something in the graveyard and you might just need to cast it because you have no curve. Well, 
I mean, here you play it on turn two and then you play bears on turn three and it's going to become a four, four. I, if you compare this with one other shapeshifter on the board so that the opponent killing the bear isn't the end of the road, then you've got a really serious card and an awesome board coming in. It is much closer to a history of Benalia with a removal spell attached than I think we thought it could be. And it also pairs really well if we can find a four or greater power creature with flash in these colors. Because you could flash it in before chapter three to get the bite effect, even if they played a sweeper or killed the creature that they thought would save their creature. Yeah. These are all good points. All good points. This card might get pretty embarrassed by Bone Crusher Giant, right? It's okay. I, it, it doesn't matter because you just said embarrassed. Oh. Get it? Bear. <laughs> I, I was going to demand the last word to have the bear joke, and I was going to tell you that, in my opinion, this card is barely playable. But you, you got the first bear joke in. We, we, we both got there, man. We both got there. Barely playable. Ba- barely playable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Could be good. I, I feel just. I feel that way about a lot of these cards. Like a lot of these cards don't jump out. at me immediately as being either like excellent or terrible i think this is one of the challenges with sagas sagas might be the most difficult card type to assess power level think about how many sagas have been surprisingly playable and then other sagas that looked very good that have seen no play i i think that the biggest thing that's forgettable on sagas is that you get chapters two and three kind of for free the cost is already paid and you have Mm. open mana Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, the cards that you play in that kind of flow with the sagas have a lot to do with the power you get out of the sagas. Yeah, it's a really good point. So, yeah, curve is super important with sagas. Sequencing is super important. Yeah, it's it, oh, it just really, really makes them all very, very difficult to evaluate. So that's one of the reasons we're reading all of them, even the uncommon ones, is that it's an inherently powerful idea. Anyway, just very, very cool. Uh, there's another one here. Battle for Bret. Is it your turn to read? I think it's probably your turn to read. Battle for Bretagard is one green-white rare enchantment saga. Chapter 1, create a 1-1 one, one white human warrior creature token. Chapter 2, create a 1-1 one, one green elf warrior creature token. Chapter 3, choose any number of artifact tokens and or creature tokens you control with different names. For each of them, create a token that's a copy of it. Mm, okay. It's doubling season! <laughs> First of all, sweet art, by the way. Sounds really cool art. Um, Secondly, the baseline is that if you play this and nothing else happens, you'll end up with four 1-1s. For three mana. Kind of meh, I think. I think it's a little understated for the current scenario, so we do need to get paid for some, some, some amount of this we have to get paid for. All right, so let's say that we were like ambitious gamers. We play this on three, on turn four, we play the chariot, and on turn five, maybe we're able to like flash in an angel token or something. (laughs) How about we, on turn two, play the anthem, name warrior? Then we play this and we get a 2-2. The next turn we get another 2-2 and we make a 4-4 angel warrior token, and the next turn it goes off. And then next turn we really get paid. Five five angel warrior token. Yeah, that's a pretty sweet curve, man. Yeah, I I added one enchantment that probably not people a lot of people are thinking of to it, and all of a sudden this thing made like what is that nine power and toughness? No, more than that, thirteen power and toughness. This is the kind of card that could make that uh, mythic sorcery that we were talking about earlier seem like a better deal. The mythic sorcery, the, the angel one that one. makes angels. Yes. Yeah, uh, that is Starnheim Unleashed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because that's one where spending the four mana to make it takes it from being probably not playable to being like, well, we get a free one the next turn anyway. So yes. I'm happy to spend my curve on that. This also curves with the Angel Saga that's coming up, where right. you play that on three. You play this on three, you play the Angel Saga on four, and on turn five, you stack your triggers so that you make two angels. Get unbelievably paid, yeah. So, yeah, that that could be extremely powerful. I think the problem with this card is that, like, the fail case is fairly weak. And here's another problem, is that if you're getting beaten down, 
and the tokens you're making are just not quite up to the snuff of blocking or whatever, then you might just lose the game before you really go off with this. So is the is the fail case better or worse than Omen of the Sun, a card that has never stopped surprising me by seeing play? Yeah, that's a really oh, that's such a good question. I'm going to say like the vanilla case of where you just play it and it resolves and then it does its thing. I suppose this is better. If you don't need the life gain, the flash on the omen makes it surprisingly relevant. I think the flash took it from being unplayable to being playable. So maybe that, you know, maybe that's actually in favor of the omen when I think about it. Maybe. It's another card that can go in the transmogrify deck. It's true. Yeah, that's a good point. It's actually really hard for the opponent to play around the transmogrify. They have to have an instant, right? Because you make, on turn four, you make the 1-1 one, one green elf warrior token on your turn and can go straight to transmogrifying it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's pretty gas. How about this? Supposing you curve this into the cat chariot, is that just good enough? Uh, let's see. The next turn you get an, an one more cat. You don't get two, because they have yeah. to have different names. Exactly. So the next turn, you get a bonus cat, and uh, assuming you crew your chariot and attack, you make one you more cat. You get another cat, right? I, so you're getting a lot I of guess cats. you made four cats, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> and if they all get plus one, plus one... <laughs> Is this all fine? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then you have a bunch of tokens to crew your chariot. I, I'm, I'm trying to think about like the modest scenario and whether yeah. that's good enough. You know? Probably not. I here's another one. This this actually fuels both sides of of one mind. So one yeah, mana draw two. Okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. It's it's interesting. Like it there's enough going for it. I think it's easy to underrate sagas, but the more you talk about it, the more you're like, these aren't the defining sequences that you come to expect from top tier decks, but they are a lot of value, and there's a lot of trying to figure out what what goes around them i think the sagas in general just have to be explored it's so it's like what it's like you said you have to just play with these cards you do and the other thing is they're always hanging out so as the format evolves any one of these sagas could just jump up and all of a sudden be fantastic this next card i'm going to read i don't know if cgb wants me to read it but i actually think this card could be pretty good nafi betrayer king Three blue-black for a legendary snow creature zombie wizard at 4-3. Other snow and zombie creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And you can pay three snow mana to return Narfi, Betrayer King, from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Why did you read this? Yeah, tell me. Why did I read this card? All right. So casting it is not the thing. You just, you're not interested in casting this card. However... I do think that if you're milling yourself, which you could easily be doing, or maybe discarding this card for value and then getting it back, or getting it back after your rogue's opponent milled it into your graveyard, then I think it could start to be very good. Okay, a 4-3 a, a so for 3 tapped for 3, even as a free card from the graveyard, is garbage in my opinion. So I'm guessing you're into it for the lord, like, the Lord thing seems like it has to do something for me. So what are the snow and zombie creatures you're pumped about? I'm not sure about the zombie creatures, but it looks like there's going to be plenty of snow creatures in this set. Are there are there good cheap ones? Do we have any good cheap snow creatures? Who knows? Well, I guess, yeah, yeah <laughs> we'll just have spoiled. to be on the lookout for it, I suppose. I, I'm not billing this card as, like, a automatic include or whatever, but I think that this thing's priced to move if you're getting it from the graveyard. It's a It's a free card, right? Hopefully it's a free card if you're doing it right. Um, you play three mana anytime you have the three mana available. It's a recurring threat as well. Your opponent has to actually exile it if they want to deal with it permanently. So yeah, I, I think that all of this could add up to being a playable card. Absolutely. It feels like a companion almost. Like, <laughs> you know, the free, the free card nature. And I'm still, I don't know why, I'm still really skeptical because I'm like, I don't know when or I pay three mana for a four three tapped and I'm happy. I just mm, maybe with a great henge. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's fair. I mean, you could easily have plenty of other better things to be doing. Yeah, I don't know. This card could be surprisingly annoying. Free cards, man. Free cards that you get from the graveyard 
is not to be scoffed at in in my experience. Okay, um, <laughs> read Clarion Spirit for us. One in a white for a 2-2 creature spirit. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. Hero of Precinct 1, are we doing it? Hero of Precinct 1, no. Uh, you have to cast two spells a turn, which is generally doing it as it is. Double spelling is an important thing in magic. Getting another bonus on top of that is something. I, 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 there, there is the Shacklegeist, I think it's called, where it's like tap two spirits to tap target creature, if, if I remember correctly, which is a pretty cool card with this, just tapping down the opponent's board and making more and more stuff. A super low, low curve spirit deck could exist. It's hard to see where its good matchups would be, but it's interesting. This is another card which makes me want to look back at that two mana anthem. Mm -hmm. Yes, right. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. like that is both a cheap spell and something that makes all your spirits very relevant. Uh, you don't need that many one one spirit tokens getting pumped up to two twos with that thing to start to really feel like you're doing it. I feel like I need one drop. I, like one drop spirits would be good so would one mana adventure spells because on adventure cards you get two spells so you play mm, one you side one turn the next the next turn so that's what i'm looking for you know giant killer could fit very easily into this deck and that is it's a one mana creature with a three mana adventure you know but like it's a fine thing to do on turn four if the format's right it's good yeah mm -hmm. for sure yeah I don't know. I, I This card is another... I mean, like Hero of Precinct 1, that card was sometimes good and sometimes not good enough. And hard to tell whether this is better or worse than that. The token being a flyer is big game. That's pretty nice. That's really big game. And I'll tell you what, I am terrified of this card in Limited. I mean, if you have a Limited card with like two or three of these in your deck because it's an uncommon, and then you're just triggering this all over the place, yeah, lights out. So anyway, I think this is a very good uncommon. Could be very good with the foretell uh, card turning everything either into into one one flying spirits. Heck yeah, that's what I'm talking about. How about Agar the Freezing Flame? One blue red for a legendary creature giant wizard at three three. Whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess damage, if a giant wizard or spell you control dealt damage to it this turn draw a card what do you think well we talked briefly about this card when mentioning the like i, I want to call it under my thumb squash that's the card <laughs> yeah uh and i don't think this card is it you know i i just don't see running this this isn't the innkeeper of giants no i don't think this is our edge wall innkeeper i i think it's asking too much to not only have this on the board, but also have a spell that's going to deal excess damage when so often standard is very powerful and we're just trying to do enough damage. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think this is it. I think I agree with you, and I was actually fairly low on this card with my initial read. I think the trick here is that your giants are supposed to be big, and it's supposed to be like every time your giant does damage to a creature or a planeswalker or whatever, it's dealing excess damage. And so the theory is that basically every time your giant's dealing damage to not your opponent's face, you're drawing a card off of this. So definitely in, those, in the scenario in which you have this card and you have one or more other giants on the battlefield and you're tangling with your opponent's creatures and stuff, this could start to make things very annoying for your opponent. But that's a number of ifs to line up. And, you know, this isn't super impressive on its own. And a 3-3 three, three for 3, here's, here's the thing. A 3-3 three, three for 3 that has an upside ability is so much less interesting than a 1-1 one, one for 1. Imagine if the innkeeper was a 3-3 three, three for 3. How would you feel about playing that card? Meh. It just, it would be hard to fit it in, right? Yeah, think of like, I think it's Savvy Hunter is the food one that can draw a card and makes a food when it attacks and it's a 3-3. Three, three. Think of yeah. uh, Rada, Heart of Keld, exactly. which is a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three that I think is 10 times better than this that sees almost no play. Yeah, so that's the problem, is that 
starting at three mana, we expect our cards to be like the actual card and not the payoff card. Yeah. Yeah, this card probably doesn't see play. Agree. I think it's worth talking about. All right, this next card is very, very interesting, though, so go ahead and read that for us. Ferja's Retribution, one white, white, black. Enchantment Saga, one, create a 4-4 white angel warrior creature token with flying and vigilance, two. Until end of turn, angels gain tap, destroy target creature with power less than this creature's power. Three, angels you control gain double strike until end of turn. We've we've talked about what a 4-4 angel token can do on multiple cards, and here is a saga that just right off the bat hits you with the angel token. And if that angel token lives, it gains more abilities, none Heck of yeah. which are bad. No, no. I mean, if you get all three chapters on this thing... This thing could just win the game for you single-handedly. All you just you need an angel to live. That, yeah, that's the big thing. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be the one that popped out of this either. Yep, Legion Angel, for example. Uh, we we talked about the card that I just introduced myself to, so it's always hard to remember the name. But um, yeah. Anyway, th- where all the four four warrior angels come from? You treat it. It treats. Retreat from Amiria. From Amiria's right. retreat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Star Starnheim Unleashed is the yep, mythic card that makes one. angel tokens. Yep. Imagine a curve like this. Turn four, you make an angel. Turn five, you find any other way to make an angel. Like we actually have that other um, enchantment that makes an angel at five, right? That we previewed a long time ago. Or cast Baneslayer Angel. Sure, cast Bane Slayer Angel. Okay. With double strike. The following turn, if you had just two 4 4 angels, the following turn, assuming they live, you get to crack for 16 in the air. That's probably that's probably good. That could that could just close out the game on its own. So and then all the rest of this card, like that other chapter, is just gravy. Well, saucy gravy, right? Because it's the, saucy gravy. Yeah, your I'm angel not. token has vigilance, so you get to attack and use this ability to kill an opposing creature. Yep, that's very, very true. So yeah, I mean, we're looking at a card that could definitely just like a turn for play that, if supported properly, could just win the game on its own. It's also, you know, I mean, we'll just keep saying it. Curves very nicely into Yorian. Who? What? What card is that? Who's who's that? (laughs) Yori who? (laughs) Yoria? What? (laughs) Yeah, our favorite bird. Big bird. So, um, I don't know, man. I mean, there's a lot to like about this card. I am definitely going to try it. Yeah, this card is pretty sweet. It makes me really sad that Starnheim Unleashed isn't an instant. Mm, Right. Because if you could... Yeah. Yeah. If you could foretell that in or cast that oh my gosh however i think there is i think i saw it i think there is a flash angel in the set if we get like a retribution angel to go with this that could i mean i I don't know it could be really interesting because retribution angel if it blinked a permanent would blink this and it'd be so sweet oh my goodness restoration angel not retribution angel my bad. restoration Boomer. yeah Boomer like cards. this this is a blink target getting a four for getting a sarah angel for free basically mm-hmm. uh that is definitely worth your while to be blinking so yep these these four four angel tokens unless everything about this theme is just not good enough uh i think we're gonna see a lot of four four angel tokens flying around in this format I feel like it's a Yorion set with the amount of sagas we've seen. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel dude. like every single saga, I what what goes through my head is what what I should do is just a series where I just make a Yorion deck around every freaking saga in the set. <laughs> dude, think about like you could easily make just like a Yorion saga deck where the curve starts at two with Birth of Miletus. And then every turn thereafter, you're just trying to resolve a saga. And then you just get these like wild chains of value over the next number of turns, right? Yeah, and eventually you cast Dance of the Mance and get them all back. But yeah, it's, it clearly could be a Doom Foretold deck. That would be very fun. Enchantment Tribal, baby. Let's go. Dude, it, it sounds incredibly fun. And it definitely sounds like the kind of deck that could crush a fool under the right circumstances. 
So, but definitely call me a buyer on Fearyear's Retribution. This definitely looks like one of the more immediately playable sagas we've seen in the set. I completely agree. Awesome. By the way, is Doom Foretold worse because sagas are so good? Because the opponent will always have something to sacrifice. Good question. I suppose it depends on how good the saga is and also whether the saga is front-loaded or back-loaded, right? Yeah. Because, like, for example, Doom Foretold's probably not going to be that great against Fearia's Retribution, but it is probably going to be really good against, like, the green... Uh, the the red green landfall one at six, right? I, I I guess Doom Foretold should be decent against six drops in my opinion. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it better be. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I'm wondering if we just scrap the Doom Foretold, just all sagas, just just saga tribal, just retribution instead of Doom Foretold. <laughs> this this sounds like an early access deck to me. Radon, God of the Worthy. Two and a white legendary creature god at rare. It is a 2-3 flying vigilance. Snowlands, your opponents control. Enter the battlefield tapped. Hallelujah. 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 But wait, there's more. Non-creature spells your opponents cast with converted mana cost four or greater cost two more to cast. There is, however, more text on this card. CGB, read the back for us. Valkmira, Protector's Shield, is the DFC side of this. Three and a white for a legendary artifact. If a source an opponent controls would deal damage to you, or a permanent you control, prevent one of that damage. Whenever you or another permanent you control become the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter that spell or ability unless its controller pays one very hateful card here taxes are back on the menu boys Mm -hmm. so let's start with the creature side while i'm not going to call this card an auto include this card could make life very difficult for your opponent and the play pattern that i'm thinking of is in in this theoretical aggro deck that may or may not ever be supported in standard but how good do you feel if you go especially against your control opponent you go turn one one drop turn two two drop turn three this drop and now your opponent is essentially locked out from wrathing you in any kind of time frame that they would want to do so I mean, is my opponent also a Snowland player? Because it might be turn seven before they can shatter the sky. Yeah, I mean, this this could just be utterly backbreaking. So shatter the sky, obviously the best card to hate out with this. No, no, the bet. I'm I'm sorry. The best is definitely extinction event. That card uh, has been event, a huge, sure. yep. huge thorn in the side yep. of white, and this is an awesome card against it. Awesome counter against that. Yep, and also. As if anyone was playing it, but Storm's Wrath. It's another card that this card hates out. Any Saga that costs four or more. There's a lot of them. Yep. Who knows where the Planeswalkers are going to be big in this set, but this taxes your, ta- your opponent's Tyvar Kel. This basically makes it impossible for your opponent to get a Tybalt down, or an Ugin for that matter. So I think that Radon is doing a lot for your white aggressive deck. That's what I'm thinking. I think this card is insanely real, and I don't think it's confined to aggressive decks mm, because yeah. if you if you think about the non-creature spells your opponents cast require the tax you are going to be playing ecd way before they can ecd yeah they ecd is just not good <laughs> oh my god <gosh, laughs> just yeah. caught on the field yeah, yeah i mean just think of any kind of haymaker battle that's all about you know i i play my five mana i play my six mana those mid-range wars that are often throwing planeswalkers at each other this card just dominates it they have to kill it they have to kill it okay here's some other excellent points does a gruel mage want to play against this card no they do not think about it you you can't curve into your great henge Mm-hmm. And you also, your Ember Cleave is a lot harder to cast yeah, as well. that's right? true. Yep. And this can't be Bone Crush, so you actually have to spend like a... Um, a what? Dragonfire. A, a lot of them have nothing. 
Yeah. And here's the <laughs> other thing is that in order to spend... Am I right in thinking that in order for your opponent to deal enough damage with uh, to this with Shatter Skull smashing, they need to pay two extra? Yes, you're right. Yep. So this yep. you can't basically can't target this with Shatter Skull. So it's it's basically Dragonfire or a fight spell or bust. And I mean, and wreck the Snowlanders again if they're doing anything with snow for whatever reason. It's what if this card yeah. is so and we're maddening. only talking about the front side by the way yeah no it's true but the, the front side just looks maddening to me i i see many matchups where your opponent just curves into this on turn three and you look at your hand and you're just like crap yeah if i don't have my removal right now this thing is just gonna kind of dominate and the other thing about just okay well they'll just play removal right i mean is it that easy? It it has to be cheap removal, and the other plays that you've made have to not demand removal. Like, there's a lot of things that people want to remove. They, I mean, cast a Skyclave Apparition, see how long it lives. That thing's a lightning rod. So, I, I, I it's going to be a really frustrating card to deal with. And the backside is not a joke either. And again, this is per, this is the kind of thing where this card was borderline. I think it was a a, a pretty good card, but probably a sideboard card because it was matchup dependent. And then the backside is definitely not a main deck card. Maybe not even a playable standard card on its own. But when you combine it into one card, suddenly it, it like just having this effect available in your deck attached to something that was pretty good that can now be really good. It's it's kind of nice. The damage prevention is super annoying. If the opponent does go low to where the first side isn't very effective, then it's probably going to be a deck that is affected by having damage prevented. And you know what I mean? I, I it Mono Red is, they, they're not going to like that. No, although I do want to point out this doesn't do anything against Bone Crusher Giant. Oh yeah, because it doesn't. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> of the claws. But I, I totally agree. Wait, they have to pay one more or it's countered. That's true. No, that's a good point. They might so, forget that. Yeah. It also says ability, right? Um, so that's like very EC, relevant. Yeah, ECD just gets countered if they pay five and target your thing with it. And oh, they don't have that's the one. So so that's brutal as well because yes. because they won't get taxed on resolution. Like they get taxed when the trigger goes on the stack. So yes. they don't have no to No takesy backsies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's super brutal. <laughs> I think that what's going to happen is that people are going to resolve both sides of this card and then their opponents are going to oh. end up in these like situations where they're like, wait, why can't I cast my spell? Wait, why didn't that work? Wait, what's happening right now? And then they <laughs> have to like go back and read the card and then they're like, oh, crap. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of that beautiful moment when your opponent starts hovering over the card and yeah. you're like, yeah, I got you. I got you. How about this card versus Mayhem Devil? Oh, yeah, that's. There game might be over. a white deck in historic someday, you know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so gas, dude. That's just. Uh, so gas. The more I read this card and think about it, the more I like it. Okay, these taxation effects can be very good, but just by itself, this card isn't super hard hitting. So. You definitely need the rest of your deck to work well in the curve. You need oh, to God, have a game yeah. plan. You know, you need to actually have a deck. That's why in the aggro deck, I'm like, I'm thinking sideboard because like, are you going to take out Skyclave Apparition? Are you going to take out Maul of the Skyclaves? Yeah, Probably not. But yeah. the mid-range decks, I'm like, oh, oh, this is so mean. It's mean. And definitely, yeah, against any sweeper deck, this is just load them up load them up and go to town definitely i think this card could definitely be a strong role player in standard and could show up a surprising amount yes okay we have uh our next one in this cycle of tap lands with an ability here so axe god armory it's a land it enters the battlefield tapped it taps for one white mana you can pay one red red white tap and sacrifice it to search a library for an aura card and or an equipment card reveal them put them into your hand then shuffle your library 
So, if you're getting both sides of the buffalo with this, your land essentially got you two cards, and one of them's probably an Embercleave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we can all agree that that is totally gas. Now, here's the question again, CGB. Is it worth playing a tap land in your probably aggro deck? I, I think this is one. I think this is like the worst one of these. Uh, because I, if I'm playing a deck that runs equipments and auras, what I need are creatures to put them on, not equipments and auras. So... Uh, and like Halvar, God of Battle, you know, is, is a creature on the front, so you can't fetch it with this, you know? So I think that this one misses the mark by a lot, in my opinion. For me, it's just a tap land in a Boros deck, and that just kills it right there. I Agree. think it could say almost anything on it, and I just wouldn't be that interested in it. But having your utility land fetch up Embercleave. It's, I mean, that's yeah, compelling. That's compelling. All right, folks, that's a wrap for this one. Keep an eye out for the next. It will be released shortly.